Baptist. Hey, welcome to Mike the Baptist. I'm Mike the Baptist. And with me are three preacher friends of mine. Michael Koontz is right here. Hey, Jackson. Thanks nice. for calling me a friend. You're welcome. Well, you notice I paused. Yes, I did. <laughs> I had to think that through. He choked a little bit. Not because, not because I was wondering. is because I threw that out there without asking first. Uh, if it was reciprocal. It is. You are my friend. You're my friend, too, Koontz. Michael Koontz, good to have you. Thank you, Jackson. Friend, friend of mine. Jason Ricard is a friend of mine. What's up? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Jason and I share uh, frivolous mindsets. We do. But we're also highly intelligent. You notice how I'm lumping myself right in there with you? (laughs) One of us is. I don't know about the other one. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, one. But uh, you're pointing over here, but I think it's you. Uh, because you have uh, you have some knowledge in there that I I don't have. Well, unless you're just making it all up. Say that about all of us. <laughs> hey, you just say it and act like you're confident, and people will believe you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living that way for a long time. Anyway, good to see you. Good to have you here. Did I say your name, Jason Riccardi? Yeah. Okay. Brother Hodo <laughs> is, uh, is H D Jones. Hey man, how's it going? His name his name is not Hodo. That's his name right. is Hughley. <laughs> yeah. Hodo's better, huh? I don't know. I like them both. It's easier to spell. But Hodo's easier to say than Hughley. I get kind of tripped up when I try to say Hughley. I'm right. I mean, imagine, I want to. Imagine being a kindergartner. <laughs> trying to say Hughley. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to put a in there not, somewhere. Maybe we're Jewish. <laughs> the Hughley. <laughs> I learned one Jewish word a long time ago. Uh, I heard some guy say it on the radio, and I thought, I'm going to learn a, learn a little Jewish. And I just learned one <laughs> word. It was Lachayim. Because you got to say that like you're clearing something out. Of it. That would be a little Hebrew. Well, that doesn't say learn a little Jewish. Everybody needs to know a little Jewish. You're gonna, you're gonna be. Maybe doing Jason is the smarter commerce or something. You got to know a little Jewish. The more we talk, the more we know. Okay, so what an opening. <clears throat> I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And right after Jason pointed across the table saying her. the intelligence was over here, nah. Way, no. to, way to prove him wrong. Yeah. <laughs> way to clean that up. <laughs> clean up on Isle Jackson. I got that, I got that Swing one. Swing and a miss. <laughs> that one took care of. Swing a bit outside. <laughs> Uh, where were we? Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. www.mikethebaptist.com. You'll see it on your screen if you're watching. If you're not uh, watching, www.mikethebaptist.com. All the old episodes. We got a ton of them. Do you guys really realize how many hours of stuff we have uh, taped? Probably like 65, 70 hours. It's a bunch because yeah. there's 50. This is the 54? 54th show, and they're all about an hour and 20 minutes. That's a lot of stuff. There's almost. When you do the outtakes and everything, close to 100 well, hours worth of stuff. The outtakes, there's a lot of outtakes that people never see. And shouldn't. And, and shouldn't. Thank and, you for and, that. And never will. We should have our own museum. Actually, this I save a little of it. I'm going to show we them could. at y'all's funerals. Yeah. You know that uh, when you go in the visitation room and you got that video playing, I'm going to have outtakes from Mike the Baptist. There you go. Are you expecting me to die first? I guess I did kind of indicate that, maybe. <laughs> He's just going to outlive us all. <laughs> maybe I'll – I have a, a, a funeral arranger person that handles my stuff. I'll just turn this over to them, and then they'll be prepared. Okay. And so when you guys kick it off, if I'm already gone, they'll step right in there and put it in there. Anyway, I made that up. Uh, let's see. Where were we? 
Oh, go to the website, watch some old episodes, buy you a coffee mug, and uh, buy you a T-shirt. Yep. We will use a little bit of that, and it's very little, but we will use it to pay light bills and stuff. That's the story. That's it. We're not buying uh, jets like you see some uh, uh, religious people that make programs buy jets. We're not going to buy a jet. Even if we had the money, we wouldn't buy a jet. What if it's a Matchbox jet? Or a Lego jet. No, we probably wouldn't even buy that. Can we get a jet Lego ski? jet sounds kind of fun. Just, I might buy a hang glider. Now, look, if uh, if I ever become fabulously wealthy from my uh, ministerial little podcast program here, I may buy a hang glider. I'll just tell you up front. It'll be after the correct responsible things are done. But I've always wanted a hang glider. Is it one of the jet-propelled ones? I don't jet think I would propelled? go that far. Yeah. You know, jet a friend of uh, a mutual friend of ours has a... Has a, well, I don't know what you call it. It's yeah, a hang glider with a motor. Yeah. yeah, it's like an ultralight. And, but <laughs> jet propelled. That would be fun. Ask him if I could fly it, but he said no. Hmm. That was a wise individual. What it about is, squirrel but I think suit? 10 minutes, if I had 10 minutes with it, I think I could fly it. What but about squirrel suit? You want to get a squirrel no. suit? I do not want a squirrel suit. Is that the one where they jump off? And yeah. No. I get a leg cramp. No. I get a leg cramp. You pull your wings in. Oh, yeah. Okay, anyway, uh, I don't know how we got man. there from buy a T-shirt and a mug, but we'd made it. Uh, Squirrel suits, Ed. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> hey, send us an email. Uh, I almost gave you my personal email. Uh, comments at MikeTheBaptist.com. Look, I asked on the last program, uh, and I hadn't checked my email in a week, so I don't know if we got one in from that last week's program or not, But so I'm just going to say it again here. Send us an email with some questions. Specifically for Kuntz, Riccardi, or Jones, or myself, or Neil Andrews, who's not here today, but will be here, uh, or the, the preacher's wives that come on here, or anybody else you've seen, send an email, ask me a question. Ask a question specifically to one of these individuals, and if we like the question, <laughs> we may ask it to them, and then you can hear the response, and then you'll be kind of sort of famous, sort of, kind of like we are. Tom T. Hall wrote a song once called I Was Famous in Missouri. I kind of relate to Tom. Anyway, Who? send us an email. Who? We'd like to hear from you. Tom T. Hall. He's, yeah, he was famous. Oh, okay. In Missouri, but all over the world, actually. You don't know Tom T. Hall? We're not from Missouri. Oh. I like little baby ducks. Yes. Old pickup trucks. Yes. In the summertime. Yep. And I love you too. That he's may, really that he's may really be great an excellent songwriter. hymn to sing today. It's a very nice it's a very nice song. He yeah. was an excellent songwriter, a very famous songwriter. Look him up, Tom T. Hall. He passed away a few years ago. Okay, so uh, on the front porch today, uh, last week we had a really nice conversation about things we remember that our dads did that I don't know, generous or caring or just just good things they did and it was a very very uh moving poignant poignant what a great word poignant the g is silent but anyway um it was such a a nice thing we did and so this week i thought i would train wreck that and (laughs) and go straight for uh some gut laughs and i thought it'd be interesting to hear about uh you know how everybody has made the mistake at some point, not just growing up, but a lot of adults do this. You make the mistake of uh, accidentally staying in the sun too long, and you get these incredible sunburns occasionally, and everybody's had them in their life. I thought it would be kind of fun 
me, I'm a sitting duck for this because I I don't really like uh, suntan lotions or block. What do they call it? Block? Sunblock? Sunscreen. 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 I don't like that stuff, so I don't use it. It's because you're a rebel. I am a rebel. You're and told it's good for you. I've always you said, Coach, listen, you can use this. I've always said you can't be different if you're not different. I'm just saying. It was either me saying that or Einstein could have said it, and he didn't, so I'm saying it for him. But anyway, so – Everybody has this incredible sunburn, correct? Mm-hmm. I think it would be nice to share with the listeners some of you guys' personal experience with bad sunburns. Now, I'm going to save, excuse me, I'm going to save Brother Hodo for last because he's from Greenbrier, Tennessee, and he was raised on a farm. We do dumb stuff. And his family has done some incredibly dumb things, and we've heard a lot of them. And I just think. It just feels right. I think the <laughs> I think the spirit has moved me to save you for last. I did not say lead. I said moved. If I'd said lead, you would have got. I would have got buzzed. Let's start with Michael Koontz. I, I'd like to hear about uh, uh, Koontz getting an incredibly bad sunburn. Wouldn't you guys like to hear that? He did that just last week. <laughs> I did, yeah. So tell us, uh, Coots, so, tell us about that. Yeah, so Brother Hodo, this ain't the, the, the big story, but okay. just this past week, or uh, week before last, our first day of Upwards Games, mm-hmm. I was there just kind of mingling, talking to people, and then I, I hear, hey, Brother Coots, and they need an additional side referee. So I'm uh, at the little kids' field, mm-hmm. and Brother Hodo said, you watch this line. And you tell me if they go out of bounds. I can do that. That's good instructions. Okay. So I did. And for the next three hours, I stood in that location. Oh. And that sun was coming from that direction the whole time. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that whole left calf was pretty bright red. <laughs> Just one leg. Yeah. It was funny. And I was like, uh, we're leaving that day. It's like, yeah, I got to remember, um, sunscreen would be really good out here. <laughs> and uh, he kind of laughed about it. I sent him a picture of my sexy leg later that day. I was like, look at this bright red sucker. So uh, I can send that to you if you'd like to include it. On. You know, if you will send that to me, it could show up here. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it could. We have editing capabilities. Upward, if you are not familiar with our little circle of uh, church friends here, is a uh, kind of a volunteer ministry, football. Yeah. It's a little ministry, ministry football league. Flag football. Flag football. It's very, very good program. Yeah, yeah. It's we have a, over 1,000 people there this past uh, that's a lot couple of weeks. And the, most of those people do not go to church with mm-hmm. us. They just they come and participate in the community. Yeah. That's what Upward is. When you hear once in a while, you'll hear that. Yeah, we kind of take that for granted. Yeah, you'll hear the Upward. Okay, because that's not the real story, no, though, I think. My real good one is, uh, <clears throat> again, as I've mentioned before on this program, the Kuntzes would always have their family family reunions in Knoxville, Tennessee. That has to be fun, just to be able to say that. The Kuntzes. The Kuntzes. Okay, yeah, carry on. It is good. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, 50, 60, 70 of us for our family reunions every 4th of July. So, top of the summer, hot. They were always at my aunt's house who had this beautiful in-ground swimming pool. And we'd just spend the day there. Well, I was probably seven or eight years old, I'm guessing. And for whatever reason, that summer, at that family reunion, I refused to get out of the swimming pool that day. Refused? I refused. Yes, (laughs) I refused. So, you know, Dad, in his infinite wisdom, allowed me to learn the hard way. And I don't know that I ever put sunscreen on that year. Um, that was ju- the 4th of July on the 5th of July when we were driving back to Indiana for six hours in our little Ford Escort. I had to sit, <laughs> lay 
on my belly in the front seat of the Ford Escort with that seat reclined back because my back had blisters the size of, of uh, half oh, dollars. Oh, That's man. the stories I'm looking massive, for. Massive, and I mean massive blisters all over my backside. It was yeah. a horrible what, experience. But were you fried on both sides? No, because, you know, I guess my backside, was, I was swimming a lot, and, you know, right. the front was probably burned, but the backside <laughs> had these huge blisters God. on them that were popping within a couple of days. That's it was, bad. When he, when and I, all I could do is just lay on my belly all the way home that, that trip. It was It was horrible. Yeah, uh, and that's when you were young. Oh, I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah, was that was uh? Could you still lay in the back window of a car when you were seven well, or eight years old? If 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 we would have had a normal car, yes, yes, because you know we used to have like Novas and Malibus and things like that that right. you could lay up in those suckers, right? But we were back into those cheaper years when Dad found out about the Ford Escort. You know, and, <laughs> oh, actually, I guess so it was around eighty five. So I was probably so nine years old in there. Oh yeah, it was tiny. Four of us. You know, yeah. four people in that dude. So you were, <laughs> if you laid the seat back, you're in somebody's lap. So I'm sure Mama was probably right behind me, <laughs> suffering you, because you I was did not suffering. have your seatbelt on. Oh no, now, nobody cared about that in eighty five, eighty four. So do you use sunscreen now? I tried to, but as we just learned a while ago, <laughs> yes. this past Saturday, I sure didn't think about it. Right. I don't ever think about it. Until it's <clears> but when we go late. to the parks and things like that, you know, I usually remember to put sunscreen on because, yeah, whitey burns. Yes. Yep. Fair skin burns. Yep. yep. And I'm a, I'm a good one for it. Well, that's good. I, I'm a... I'm happy that uh, the first one out of the shoot had huge blisters. I mean, that's, that's what I was looking for. Hey, man, I'm here to please. Uh, Jason, uh, could yeah. you... Explain to us. Now, listen, I'm going to be excited about this, too. I'll just tell you. because I've got some good ones. I'm sure you do. And uh, let's hear what happened in your uh, sunburn experience. So, you know, it, the crazy thing is you can get sunburned. <clears throat> it's, it's not about the temperature outside. And when I moved to Colorado, um, it's not hot. And so you, you don't realize. So the first couple of summers that we were there – you would get burned and you not realize it. But you can also get just as burned in the middle of winter and sometimes even more so because the, the sun reflects up off of the snow. And so you, you get pretty burned. And I got burned a few times there. Uh, it was a little bad. But uh, there was one time when we lived in Colorado, we actually went to visit my aunt and uncle in California. And I was out there just hanging out. I think we went to the lake or something that day, and I fell asleep on my stomach. And so when I woke up, my back was – it was not good. I had, had huge blisters all over the place. I mean, it was just mm. super, super sensitive. It was the worst I've ever been burned. Um, but the the two funny stories that I'll, I'll share are I had a cousin who was a little baby at that time and got burned much like you – on just one body part is her cheek mm. and she was uh, a an infant at the time and so they did a good job of covering everything except for <laughs> one uh, spot on her one cheek, cheek. That's <laughs> <how> <laughs> like, got burned right there everything else is covered and fine except for right there got oh. burned but uh, the really funny one is i was visiting some family and in marble falls texas there's this uh this river that right there and there's these uh restaurants that are right there and there's nothing special about the restaurants but they were having some boat races and so i went out there and i stood on the deck and and watched the boat races for a few minutes and there was a guy who uh had been hitting the sauce early and uh he was he was a larger individual and he had obviously not put any sunscreen on and 
I, you know, I kept catching sideways glances at him, trying not to be really inappropriate, but it was funny because, um, with him being a larger individual, sunburned, not sunburned, not, <laughs> and it was, it was really, I was just like, Jason is describing roles. I think is the term. If, you, yeah, if you're not yeah, watching, basically, it's kind of like a train wreck. You could not look away from that I one. Could, could not, and it was so. I was like, that so, guy is going to so be the hurt valleys, tomorrow. The valleys weren't burning, but <laughs> that's right. The, the valleys, hills, the hills, valleys. You know, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, that was one of those moments in time. I was like, sunburned will be your uh, nemesis, and yes. sunscreen is your friend. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, well, um, that was pretty reserved for you, I think. I mean, I could have got a lot wilder than that. It could have, yeah. When he lived in Colorado, he didn't tell you he was wearing a kilt. <laughs> well, you kind of wonder. You get sunburned in the snow. Did you wear shorts in the snow? Actually, I did. Um, okay, there we go. You know, it, with the it had drier temperature uh or drier atmosphere mm-hmm. and so you don't feel the cold in the way that you do when it's humid really yeah uh if it's dry it's outside dry heat huh it's a dryer yeah. heat i think i would if i had a, a dry cold. cone I'm so just there, saying. there were times i would actually go to school wearing shorts in the middle of winter and you just you you have a jacket on you're fine but you would wear shorts and sometimes during the day it would get so warm that you would actually take your jacket off just be the temperature might be only 30 40 degrees but you'd get hot because the temperature it's a lot different. It's if you hadn't been out there, it's, it's a lot different. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Hughley, I'm wondering, do you have any sunburn stories? Well, you know, we do, but <laughs> just one real short one. So my mother-in-law, who is very, uh, she's very pale. Every time we go to the beach with them, she'd always miss a spot. Like you're talking about the cheek. But I remember this one Paper, particular snow, one. a ghost. <laughs> I remember this one particular time when... Apparently, she got sunscreen on her hand and was trying to put it on the back of her leg and, I think, blotted it on the back of her leg and then forgot to go back and finish the rest of her leg. And so there's this perfect handprint on the back of her leg. The rest of it's red. There's this little white handprint, you know. So, yeah. But uh, mine mine was, yeah, really good because y'all remember your senior year. I mean, it was called Senior Skip Week. You'd already taken your exam. Skip week? Skip week, man. Man, we, we had, had senior skip day. No, we I had, had a senior had skip, skip year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad did too. Yeah. yeah. We had senior skip week. Character flaw. We didn't have to take we didn't have to take final exams because, you know, they just, you know, no idiot. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no idiot left yeah. behind in Tennessee. So Right. Right. <laughs> Back in the day, we had senior skip week. And uh Already finished all our exams, everything. It's basically now just get the diploma and be done. So uh, we had this bright idea that this is one of the biggest stages of life. So we're going to go get a tan. We want to be really tan for our for our graduation day. So we spent about four days at a buddy's pool. Not only without sunscreen. We were like baby oil and oh, no. putting sun in in our hair. You know, we we just bleaching everything, man. We just want to be, you know, bronze gods when we walk across the stage. Exactly. Well, yeah. What happened was <laughs> we were lobsters, and uh, then you had to put on that really stiff, starched white shirt. Oh, yeah. And, oh, oh, oh. and it was miserable. Sit, and I think we were, you know, of course, you had to line up outside the gym and. 
all that stuff. And then you put your robe on and everything, and it was just, it was just miserable. Yeah, so it didn't turn out so good. So, what for did us. the sun in do for y'all's sun hair? I, I remember. I, yeah, was, I want to know your experience. Mine, mine went like white. See, my brother, he he kind of got hung up in image a little bit, and during his high school years, he decided to use sun in, and instead of giving him the bleachy highlight things kind of turned his dark dark brown hair orange, orange. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah jason's holding his hand up there um testify <laughs> so one i had a long goatee once just a goatee and there was one fourth of july i was gonna do red white and blue and uh i was like well the hardest one to well, get somebody is gonna help you uh no, it was just going to be me. I was just going to get the dye. But I was like, the hardest mm. one is going to be the white, right? So I, I did the uh, this, and I did have some people helping me. I did this chunk and tried to get it all white. And, man, I, was, I left it on there two or three times as long as it said to leave it on there. <laughs> and it turned orange. I mean, that was that, – and I had very, very red beard at the time. I mean, it just turned orange. I'm like, I'm out. I'm, it's just – You got enough white in it now. You could do it today. <laughs> I could. Yeah. All I'd have to do is the blue. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it turned orange. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Was that the end of your – Yeah, I mean, that's – you know. I mean, you were a volunteer. I was. Uh, I have a couple of quick ones. All right. I actually only had one. I've been debating on whether to tell it, but it is what it is. It happened, and it is what it is, so I'll tell it in a second. But you made me think of uh, – I went to uh, Florida several years ago. One of my cousin's sons or daughter's son was getting married in Florida. going to be a beach wedding. And I, I think I asked what the attire was. They said, well, you know, beach, it's a beach wedding. So I think I bought these white linen pants and a blue flowery shirt. I was just going to wear some sandals. Turns out I was the only one there dressed that way. Everybody else had on a coat and tie. But anyway, <laughs> I did stand out a little bit. But Would uh, it have changed your attire if you had known? Probably not. But anyway, so but on the way down, uh, uh, I had not been in the sun. You know, I, I have a golfer's tan. You know, got them little short socks and everything below that is white. looks like a bed sheet. I thought, well, <laughs> I've got to wear these sandals. So I stopped at a Walmart and bought some uh, – I had, I did not know about tanning lotions. I had heard about them. I thought, I'm going to get me a tube of that or a bottle or whatever it comes in, and I'll put that on a time or two on the way down there and see what happens. So I did. I stopped, got it. Uh, I had my motor home at the time. Uh, my, one of my cousins and his wife and daughter were all together. But anyway, went to the bathroom with the motor home and lathered my feet up with some of this uh, tanning stuff out of this tube. And I looked at it and I thought, well, I got to put my shoes back on because, you know, I don't want to go out there with everybody and my feet all lathered up with tan and stuff. And so I put my shoes and socks back on, went up there and drove. And somewhere down the road when we stopped, I went back there and pulled my socks off and nothing was happening. And I'm thinking, I need to do that again. So I did it again. I did this about three times on the way to Florida. So anyway, long story short, on the wedding day, it didn't dawn on me that when I put that on there and put my socks back on that, it was rubbing some of it off. So my feet looked like the other Michael Jackson when he was trying trying to turn white. He just blotched all up, so that didn't work. I think anyway. I saw that on an episode of Friends. Did you? Yeah. Well, I, I happened Ross in real a, time. Yeah. yeah. Ross went to a tanning booth, and you're supposed to go this way and then – 
turn and get sprayed on the other side, and and he did not. He do didn't that. turn. He got sprayed multiple <laughs> times, and then he came back to another one, and then he turned, but they sprayed from the same side, and so he ended up just getting like eight different shots of uh, self tanner on the front. And I will say back. this: the uh, I think I didn't read the instructions properly. I guess, but I think once you put a layer of that on, you shouldn't put another one on right away. I think you're supposed to just leave let, it at that one. Let it take its effect yes. over time. So the other story, real quick. Uh, uh, when I was an older teenager, I was out of school, but a friend of mine and I used to take our guitars to the Buffalo National River, and we would wade out knee-deep in the water and stand in the middle of the water with our guitars, and we would play while <laughs> canoers came by. Well, that was nice of y'all. Yeah, and, and there were thousands, you know, people come from all over the country to go to the Buffalo River and float. So we were just standing out there singing our songs, and I knew the whole uh, Willie Nelson Redheaded Stranger album at that time, and I would sing that whole album standing out there. And then we'd play Led Zeppelin, you know, the stuff you played, Leonard Skinner. But anyway, sometime in the afternoon that day, it was in the dead of summer, very hot. I fell asleep, as we were discussing in the green room, I fell asleep on the bank of the river. And for the next couple of hours while I was sleeping, uh, in the 70s, uh, hippies from New York and Chicago moved into the Ozark Mountains and set up homesteads all around my hometown, (laughs) back out in those hills. So there were a lot of those folks would come to the river uh, at one of the big gathering places, which is where we went to sing. But anyway, there was a group of hippies there. I was asleep, so I didn't know exactly what happened, but I was told... After I woke up, what happened? I fell asleep on the uh, bank. They obviously felt sorry for me. They put me on one of their quilts. They picked up limbs, arms, and legs and carried me over and put me on a quilt and laid me there and went back to partying or whatever they were doing. And every 30 minutes or so, they said that they would come pick me up, carry me down to the water, and dip me in the water a few times, and then come back and lay me on the other side up there. So in a couple <laughs> hours... For like a week and a half, I couldn't bend my knees or my arms without screaming like a girl because it, I was so baked sunburnt. Uh, but anyway, that was it. I cleaned that up a whole lot for you. And uh, just to tell you that I did get a bad Don't sunburn. fall asleep on the bank in the summertime. Don't fall asleep in the sun uh, around a bunch of hippies. <laughs> well, they took care of you, though. They took care they of you. They could have just left you on one side to cook the whole time. They could have, but I... I kind of suspect they were a little entertained about turning me over like you know, like they were baking chicken or something. <laughs> Rotisserie. Yes. Okay, well, that was exciting. Uh, thank you guys for sharing your sunburn episodes with us. I'm sure next, uh, next week on the front porch we'll have an equally insane topic, and I uh, look forward to it. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about some stuff we found in the Bible. See you shortly. This episode of Mike the Baptist is being presented commercial-free for your enjoyment by Michael Jackson, licensed realtor in Middle Tennessee. Rather than have you bombarded by pleas to buy things, Michael Jackson, the realtor, wanted to sponsor today's program and allow you to simply enjoy the content rather than worry about somebody trying to sell you stuff. Oh sure, Michael Jackson, realtor, might help people buy and sell houses and land in Middle Tennessee, but he doesn't actually sell things directly. So technically, this is not a commercial to sell you anything at all. It's simply an announcement to you that you don't have to listen to commercials on this episode because Michael Jackson, the realtor with Finch Real Estate in White House, Tennessee, 
615-957-5064, is sponsoring this commercial-free program. This in no way, of course, means that if you're wanting to shop for a house or sell one or some land, that you shouldn't contact Michael Jackson, the realtor, because you should. He's fair, he's helpful, knowledgeable about the real estate market, and he's fun to work with. Okay, I'm Michael Jackson, the realtor, Finch Real Estate. And this is a commercial because my work as a real estate agent helps me have the time and resources to produce these Mike the Baptist programs. So feel free to call me for any of your real estate needs. I'll help you out all I can. And I'll do my best to make buying and selling your house a good experience. 615-957-5064. I'm number two. Everybody else claims to be number one. Riveting journalism. Yes. Hey, we're back. You are too, obviously. Did you catch that? Wasn't real clever, but it was, it was shot. We caught it. Thanks. Thank you. Good way to go. What? <laughs> so I say on Mike the Baptist, I say stuff we found in the Bible. Now, if you're a hardcore religious fanatic, Bible thumper, as we were talking about earlier, that may offend you that I say stuff we found in the Bible. But look, Mike the Baptist is all about real talk. We want to talk about things that are in the Bible in a way that anybody can listen to and understand. Now, you guys are preachers. This is your profession. But it's also your heart and soul. It's not just your job, and I know that about you guys. And I realize, and uh, everybody else does too, that you have to talk a little churchy at times. Well, just understand that. Uh, Because the things in the Bible, surprise, are a little churchy. (laughs) So I just want to say that about uh, when we talk about the Bible in the middle of Mike the Baptist, our goal is to talk about it in a way that it can be understood by anybody listening, not just our friends that we go to church with, not just other uh, Christian people that tune in and listen. I know for a fact there are some people that listen who are not soaked in church, and I take great pride in that, that uh, someone would listen for the laugh, but they're also maybe hearing a little bit of the gospel message, which is good news uh, any way you look at it. And that's what the Bible's all about, is it not? Yep. We, got a, we got a book right there that explains the whole thing. Uh, and that's what the preachers are now going to lead a conversation in, talking about the Bible. And I, I will use the buzzer. I'm not afraid of you guys, although you are preachers. I will buzz you if you get too spiritual and bring you back to earth. Well, thank you, Brother Jackson, for bringing <laughs> the yeah. opportunity for us to share the word with the, the world today. Perfect. It's just a little churchy. All right. So uh, <laughs> when we when we start going through uh, uh, scriptures, and especially if you spent any time, in, especially like in Sunday school classes or something like that, Bible study classes at church, you start studying or hearing about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, we really, uh, we don't speak about them in a positive light uh, very often. Uh, you know, they were, there's a lot of, uh, uh Downfalls or a lot of uh, negatives that come along with that. Would you say they're smart Alex? or were they just they just they thought they been. had the answers? No, they thought they had all the answers, but and they, they didn't think anybody else could have the answers but them. Okay, so they're kind so, of smart Alex. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, a lot like sorry, us. 
But uh, so we have the Pharisees, the Sadducees. We talk bad about them an awful lot of times. We get into the book of John, and then we come to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. But the conversation isn't really as negative or negative when we're talking about him as much. And we see uh, Nicodemus uh, in John chapter 3. Let me just read this scripture to you. Talking about Nicodemus, it says, This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So we come to this man, to this Pharisee, Nicodemus, and we see that this relationship between this Pharisee and Jesus is different than what we've seen with other Pharisees and and Sadducees. Why do you all think this particular relationship is called out? Why do you think we we see a difference here uh, with Jesus and Nicodemus that we don't see really called out from others uh, that were in that position of that time? I think you see a big difference in Nicodemus's heart. Um, he comes to Jesus probably at night because he didn't want his fellow religious friends to know that he was having a conversation with Jesus. And he really comes wanting to understand where most of the others that we see come to trip Jesus up. This This guy really comes because he has a desire to learn. And it's interesting because... Jesus kind of flips the switch on him pretty quickly, and he says, you know, Nicodemus, here's your problem. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is going back through all of his learning of what they had in their the Bible, which would basically be our Old Testament. He's trying to think through the law, and haven't I kept the law, and haven't I tried to be pleasing to God, and, and aren't we God's people? And Jesus is basically saying to him, you know, you're lost. And there's there's this beautiful conversation that goes on. And so, you know, what a difference of heart it makes that this guy, he, he really wanted to know. And I think we do see that in a couple other places. You know, Jesus will look at some of the guys that came, probably questioning him a little bit being a smart aleck, but also wanting to know. And, and when they have that conversation, Jesus would say, you know, do this and the kingdom of God has come near to you today or do this and you will live. And so Jesus is not trying to make fun of them as much as he is just trying to get them to understand that just because you know a lot of stuff doesn't mean you're right with God. And I think we see that in our world today. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, just because you're popular or just because you're uh, healthy and whole and just because you have money and you've kind of got life by the tail doesn't mean that you're right with God. Right. Hey, isn't that kind of like well, with wisdom? You can have all kinds of knowledge, but if you can't use that knowledge in the right way, it's really not doing you a whole lot of good or people around you a whole lot of good. Yeah. yeah. Nicodemus is one of those good characters to study, though. And, and we see, you know, some people are like, well, do you think he was a Christian? Was he really a follower of Jesus? And I would say probably one of the things that would lead me to say yes is that at Jesus' death, uh, he came to request the body. Yeah. You know, it was one of those disciples that helped bury him. And so at great cost, great cost to himself and probably uh, reputation yes. as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot to, to say about how he asked the questions he asked Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys were both saying this, but, you know, 
the words can be the exact same, but the way that you ask it changes the meaning of it. Like if you if you approach God and your relationship with God is, why God? Why are you putting me through all this stuff? Has a whole different meaning than why why God? Why mm-hmm. why are you putting me through this stuff? And it, it's your attitude, it's your posture as you approach your Savior, uh, the maker of the entire universe, the maker and lover of your soul. Um, and so I, I think that when Nicodemus entered that conversation, he he probably wasn't sold on everything. So there's right. probably some... He was seeking it. Uh, like, what, what are you talking about here? There was yeah. skepticism, but yeah. he was also... Coming not with a not with a closed mind, but with an open mind. Like right. this guy might actually have something he can share with me, and so he was willing to hear the answer. And I think that that is where we break a lot of times. That's where faith begins. Kind of, are you willing to hear the answer that you need to hear? And that's where a lot of people have already made up their mind, and why it's sometimes talking to a brick wall. You know, you you may share the gospel with somebody, and they're just not listening because they've already made up their mind. And Nicodemus hadn't made up his mind. If you want to uh, hear about this stuff that we talk about in the Bible, you you can if you want to. That's what you're saying, I think, is that if you want to, you probably will. Mm-hmm. Well, if you really don't want to, you probably won't. You know, I think you, you said, Jason, you know, preachers are probably perceived as we're every time we go to McDonald's, we're trying to, you know, give the gospel to the guy in the booth beside us. And maybe we should do more of that and maybe we fail but i'll I'll tell you i love when somebody comes and wants to ask me a question um because you know there's something going on that that the spirit is working on them that their conscience is bothering them or they really you know they're when they're asking questions there there's a desire there well it's it's the spirit of the question sometimes just like these pharisees and sadducees they are asking questions to entrap right but you know when somebody is sincere yep in their questions, and yeah, you you love those yeah. opportunities because we're we're doing what we're told to do. We're making disciples. We're yeah. teaching. Yeah. What's the most famous verse in the entire Bible? Yeah, this John three sixteen with with Nicodemus. Yeah, with Nicodemus. Right. Yeah. For God so loved the whole world, the whole world. He even loved the Pharisees and Sadducees that could be such jerks. He loved even them. So much so that he came to live a life they couldn't live, die a death they deserved to die. And I think there's something in that. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus got hope um, in the midst of that because there was stuff like, for God so loved the world. I mean, can you imagine what Nicodemus must have been thinking when he heard that? There's probably an element of it, like Nicodemus was just steeped in religious tradition there was probably an element of, yeah, 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 I've heard that. And he probably just wanted to gloss over it. But then there, I think it was Nicodemus took a step back and really let Jesus lead for a moment in time. It probably gave a different meaning to Nicodemus when he heard those words. And probably as Nicodemus came back to that conversation in the future, he began to realize, and probably over the course of time, realized that there's just something different about this guy, Jesus. Well, there's something that happens to us the older we get mm. we start thinking about there really is an end out here somewhere uh, and I'll, <clears throat> I'll just be honest i mean there's things in my life that i wish i could get a do-over you know boy if i could just go back into this point in my life and and get a do-over i would do it differently and you have mm. to know that nicodemus is thinking some of those things 
he's listened to some of Jesus's teachings because he says, "Hey, there's no way you you're here doing this without God's authority in some way." I don't really understand everything, but he comes and he's asking these questions probably because he's at the end of his life and realizing I've tried to keep all the rules. I've tried to go to synagogue every week. I've tried, and yet there's still something missing. And Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus immediately goes to what we understand, the physical. And he says, at this age, you know, can I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus then begins to talk to him about, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. And so I would just say that to anybody listening there's not a person sitting around this table that doesn't have regrets, and they're a son of a gun. Uh, we wish we'd have done things better. Mm. And when we look at our life, to be honest, when we look at our life, I don't think any of us would say, you know what, I could stand in front of a holy God today and say, yeah, you're going to let me in because I've done such a great job. There, There's a point of all of us going, man, I wish I could go back and do that again. And, and Jesus gives this, this uh, statement, you must be born again. Um, and it really means from above. You must be born from above. God's the only one that can change not only your future, but your past. I, I love that about God. God says, I'm not just changing your future, Jones. I've changed your past because I'm not going to remember those things anymore. And so I would I would say to anybody listening today, don't don't give up on the mistakes that you've made because if you'll just give those to God, God can fix those things. And uh, a lot of times you'll be surprised that some of the things that you're the most embarrassed about, God will use for his glory and your good. I was just at a conference recently, and a gentleman stood up and he said, I'm going to tell you a part of my story that's painful. He was a pastor, and he said, 14 years ago I had a moral failure. Well, I mean, in a room full of pastors, that's that's a big, like, what? That's code word yeah. for adultery. Yeah, well, Perks your ears right up there. Yeah, It was one of those things. It's like, oh, my gosh, what's this guy fixing to reveal? And, you know, because you know, it's it's always in the back of our mind. What what would kick us out of doing ministry? What failure in our in our ministry would we have to go, yep, I'm done being a pastor? And so he, t- he tells his story and how God redeemed him through that. And it was just a good reminder about how good God's grace is. Doesn't mean that some of the roads that we won't have to travel may be difficult, won't be, you know, the consequences of our sin may be harmful. But he said, he said, as as many times as I get to tell this story, it hurts every time, but it's also comforting to know that God could use my story to help some of you. And that's, you know, God wants to use your story. It's not just... I'm going to erase everything that's ever happened to you. God wants to use your story. And so this this encounter with Nicodemus is one of my favorite in Scripture because here's a guy who's asking heartfelt questions. Jesus doesn't look at him and go, well, you idiot, I can't believe you don't know all the answers. He just tells him, Nicodemus, you, you've got to be born. You've got to, you've got to think differently, and you can't do it on your own. So I think uh, an interesting part of that story is I maybe I'm reading that passage wrong, but the feeling that I get is Nicodemus walked away not completely convinced. He had an encounter with the Savior of the world physically in the same space as that guy, had a conversation with him, and he walked away not completely convinced. But that gave room for him to... It, it kind of shook his foundation, and it gave him room to consider... There might be something more than what I've thought of before. Yep. 
And sometimes, you know, you know, going back to horse riding, you know, burn the saddle. It, it can throw everything off. And just something real tiny in the right place can just really throw everything off. And I think that that conversation with Jesus, between Jesus and Nicodemus, that was a burr in the saddle for him. It made him think through everything. It made him uncomfortable, and he had to think through everything. Well, maybe maybe I got some of this stuff wrong. And, and as he began to consider that, that's when the possibility of him being saved came real. And I think that if you're listening to this today, you may be hearing it and you're unconvinced. Uh, you're hearing this stuff and you're like, ah, I've, I've heard about this guy all the time. And I know some of the people that are that are supposedly, and I'm going to put air quotes around this Christian, and they just don't really impress me at all. And uh, are you really saying that millions of Muslims and billions of uh, Hindus and all of them are going to go to hell and it's really only through Jesus? I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm unconvinced. Let me challenge you if you're hearing this. Nicodemus was in the same space as Jesus. He walked away unconvinced, but he came back to it. Maybe, just maybe, in hearing this conversation today, you might be unconvinced, but just give room for God to speak to your heart. And I bet you if you do that, there's a there's a possibility you may get saved and trust him the same way that we see Nicodemus did later on down the road. John's one of those gospels that I'll point people to that are it's a great place. We're called searching, you know. Hey, just go read read John's gospel. Uh, I heard a great quote one time. A guy was in jail. You know, a lot of times when you go to jail, people will come along and they will give you a free Bible. <clears throat> and uh, the Gideons give out little Bibles in the jails. And this old boy said, he goes, you know, I could have cared less about God and Jesus and all this stuff. He said, but I wanted that free Bible because he said, them little thin papers, they make good cigarettes. <laughs> and he said, I smoked my way all the way through Matthew huh. and all the way through Mark and all the way through uh, Luke. And he said, when I got to John, he said, I grabbed the first page and he said, in the beginning. And he said, I just started reading it. And he said, I never smoked another page in that Bible. <laughs> and it changed my life. So, um, yeah, I agree with Jason. Go read Nicodemus's story, John chapter 3. You can you can do the Google and find John chapter three and read that. You know another interesting character in this book uh, is uh, John the Baptist. It's where you get your namesake in it, Mike mm-hmm. the Baptist. Well, mm-hmm. this was John the Baptist, and he's sort of the precursor for Christ. Is talked about in the Old Testament as the the voice in the wilderness that's crying out and sort of sort of laying the foundation for Christ in his earthly ministry. And John was a big deal. I mean, people were flocking out into uh, the wilderness to hear him. Um, he was he was kind of out there famous yeah. in his day. He was you out know? there. He was out there, but uh, he was kind of famous in his day, and people knew him. Uh, he was controversial, but they were still going to listen to him. And yet, one of the things that we see in John's ministry is when Christ comes on the scene, and John gets <clears throat> to baptize him. And he points to him. He says, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, my good buddy, Zed Cawthorn, who's in heaven now, uh, he came to me one day and he said, you know why it says sin and not sins? I said, no, Zed, tell me why. And he said, because it's every sin. It's the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. So here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, all of it. Uh, Nicodem- or Nicodemus, John the Baptist is pointing to him. And at that moment, John's popularity began to wane as Jesus' popularity began to grow. And John even said of himself, I must decrease 
so that he can increase. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems that we all face is our own ego. <laughs> and how do we uh, <laughs> how do we die to ourselves and make sure Jesus is the one that is seen, the one that gets the glory, and not make it all about us? Well, yeah, it occurs to me that if uh, we're all truthful, it is all about me. It's uh, very noble to think that I could think about everybody else except me. (laughs) I don't believe that about anybody. I believe when it gets right down to it, we're all concerned about ourselves. If you're not, I don't think you're taking care of yourself personally. I think you can do both. Uh, But the part about the, the me that's obviously the most important is getting this eternal thing taken care of. Uh, that's not selfish. That's uh, that's uh, being introspective enough about yourself to pay attention to yourself long enough to do that. Uh, all of us here, I know all of you guys, and all of you guys would give the shirt off your back, as they say, if you thought somebody needed it. No big deal. That's thinking about other people. But at the core of who you are, uh, you guys are preachers. You're in front of the public as preachers, and you're supposed to be totally selfless. But you can't be totally selfless. Uh, don't don't give me that. You can't be totally selfish, selfless, because you have yourself to, to worry about and take care of. You can't worry about me. You can give me information, but uh, oh, I'm a little worried about you. <laughs> you are a little worried about me. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to a point. Uh, the point is. Uh, I think it's good to be honest and say I am a little I am a little about me. But I think that's healthy in the right way. God is about you, HD. If God is so overwhelmed uh, about you and thinking about you, why shouldn't you accept that about yourself and say, "Okay, I'm worth that. I am." You don't have to turn that around and be conceited about it, but that's not selfless to me. That's paying attention to yourself. Because you're no good at all to anybody outside of you if you don't think anything of yourself. I'm just, I'm sorry. You're just no so good to anybody. To be, you don't need to be selfless. You just need to think of yourself less. Well, that's okay. That's a good way to say that. That's an excellent way to say that. And that's all a part of our, what we call our Christian walk. You know, as we're trying to live according to what the Bible says, what God's told us to do, you know, just like John the Baptist said. I must decrease so that he can increase. We have to work on that day in and day out because we could sit around the table and talk about ourselves for an entire episode if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have to less about us and talk more about him. He's what matters. I think we all get around to that, Koontz. But uh, so maybe I just view, maybe I view, uh, like you guys' job, different than you do. Because if you were boring, I'm not going to sit around and listen to you. No, God gives us these life experiences yes. to share. Yeah. And uh, people can learn from us, but we got to make sure we use those life experiences to point people to Jesus. You do. But what I'm saying is I'm just encouraging everybody not to think so little of yourself that you forget that God made you the way you are. Like John the Baptist, uh, the way I read it, he was a little bit kind of not crazy, but he was out there. You know, he he lived different than everybody else. But he, 
that drew attention to him, and I'm sure it made people curious about this guy. If John just stayed hid because he thought, well, I don't need to be bringing any attention to himself and all that, you, there wouldn't be a John the Baptist. Am I making any sense? I know it's, I'm kind of explaining well, there's in a, a false, big there's circle. A false, um, there's a false way of thinking about yourself where you're always just trying to put yourself down so that, you know, you can seem more pious, I guess. I don't know. It's just, No, it's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You, think, can, uh, you can think, put uh, yourself down too much. Well, you think about what Jesus said, the greatest commandments, love God and love others as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Man, you're coming through, H. That's, that's two in a row. You're coming through. Well, you know, I woke up. I had some coffee. Thanks for that, by he the way. Be you know, he but, he try that. you know, <laughs> there is there is this reality that we should love ourselves because we've been created by him and for him for him, for a purpose. Where John was getting to and what we're trying to, I think, trying to talk about is how, how do we not get caught up in the hype that it is all about us mm-hmm. and not about helping other people? Because we're confident in ourselves, because we realize what God's done for us and shown us, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you don't you don't want somebody stand up there to preach or sing a song or whatever. Poor pitiful me, little no, I, nobody look at me, and you know that that would just be bad. You know, you have to you have to be an interesting person. I think you do, but you yeah. are automatically if uh, if you're just who you are. Right. The way the, this is the key to me: the way God puts you together. Correct. Not the way you put yourself together, but the way God puts you together. I make people laugh, and I know it, and I'm comfortable with it now. So I let that, I let it happen. I don't, I don't try not to do that because I want you to laugh. Yeah, I think it's good for you. I want you to. So, so how do we have a healthy ego? So humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's that's thinking the word rightly of, thank of you. yourself. The false humility. That's yeah, the word. I was there are for. so many good things that, coming right? out here. Uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself or less of yourself as if, you know, if you're a world-class musician, you're not, you're lying if you say, oh, I'm not really that great. You're lying, literally, and and that's a sin too. Um, Humility is not, oh, I'm not really all that great. It's, It's thanking God for what he has given you. It's redirecting your skills, gifts, and talents back to the one who gave them to you. Um, so let's put this, we've been talking theory about this particular question here. Let, let's put some uh, some meat on that skeleton. So here we go. Let's, let's use an example. Let's say you're at work and you see a coworker and you're just like, that is the laziest coworker ever. And not only are they lazy, they're dumb. I could do so much better of a job in there. And maybe they got promoted above you. John was very good at his job. And in any other um, setting, he probably would have been the person in the room that everybody went to for the answers. That was John. Um, but when Jesus came on the scene, John didn't say, I'm no good, I'm terrible, I'm horrible. Uh, he said, hey, I'm not the one with the answers. Let's look to that guy right there. And so let's put some some uh, practice to this theory. What are your thoughts and emotions when – where do you get angry? Where do you get frustrated? And is there a tie 
in that moment in time when you're angry and you're frustrated to something where you're like, I'm not being honored. I'm working hard. I'm trying all these things. I am the hardest worker in my environment. And if you get to that place, is it maybe that you're more concerned with a loss of prestige for yourself? And we see John, man, he 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 was just a picture of the true Jesus. He was just a picture of that. And when the true Jesus came on scene, he he didn't point to himself. He pointed to Jesus. So when you complain, you're more concerned about what other people think of you than you are what God thinks of you. Well, yeah. I think that's probably where a lot of this stuff comes from. We're so selfish, so self-centered that we get angry and frustrated when we don't feel like people are honoring us the way that we should. And this manifests itself in so many different ways. You see it in in family when people get into fights in the family. Um, Husband says, I work hard all the time and I do all these things and I expect there to be just this one thing. I don't ask for much. I expect this one thing when I come home. That's really frustration that he doesn't think he's being honored the way that he should. And when a wife on the flip side says, I do all these things to keep the house running. I can't believe I do this. I cook, I clean, I walk hand and foot after you. And all I expect is just a little bit of thanks. Same thing. Sounds like a voice of experience here. That's like, did that just happen <laughs> yeah, before you came here? Picking up some reality. <laughs> you were just at home before we had this episode. Did you all just have this conversation? Nobody was at home, and no, this is not a particular moment that I'm thinking of. It was, but it was this is your typical Jason story because he had these expressions that yeah, were like, like serious. Yeah. I mean, okay. And, uh, and that's just. We just noticed, Jason. <laughs> no, it's because uh, we're self centered. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's hard not to consider ourselves. It's hard not to love ourselves. It's hard not to want the best for ourselves. But this this idea of being a disciple of Christ is this idea that, you know what, my dreams are not as important as what his dreams are for me. Mm-hmm. My thoughts are not as important as his thoughts. And I don't think it's that we should never have any of those thoughts. Uh, you, you're, you're, not, you're not human if you don't come home sometime frustrated and go, all I ask for is this one yeah. thing. Yeah, let's you know, be honest. Okay. I don't ask for much. <laughs> let's who, be honest. I told you all this, that was my Coke. Who drank my Coke? You know, uh, <laughs> we have all those, we have all those things in our life, but you know, are we really, are we really dying to self over and over? Uh, I know Dr. Billy Graham said one of the biggest concerns he had in his own ministry was he said, every time I drive into a city, and it's got my picture and my name on a billboard, I have to remind myself, Billy, nobody's coming to see you. They're coming to see Jesus. You just happen to be the person that gets to talk about him today. Exactly. Yep. You know, and I, I think we as pastors, you know, it's it's real easy to look across our denomination, across our city. I wish I, I, wish I had that church and had <laughs> all that guy's got book deals and that guy's got, you know, boy, they've got a big budget, and oh, this guy's got an entourage. He's got everywhere he goes. There's people that go with him, and people buy him lunch all the time. And boy, if I was just that guy, you know, then then I'd be doing ministry the right way. And that happens in all aspects of life. So I think it's just that idea again of being comfortable in our skin. Is that kind of what you were I talking about? I think that's the way to explain that. Being comfortable with how God made you. That's the key to me yeah. to remember. I realize about myself, I'm aware enough to know that I'm a little bit different. But I don't believe that's something I made. I, I believe God made me 
the way he made me. And I've gone, grown comfortable in accepting that. Yeah. Charles Stanley once said something about people used to compliment him a lot. And he said he was uncomfortable for a long time. But then it, it dawned on him that what he should really be doing is when somebody compliments him, he should say, thank you. Because they noticed. Not make a big deal out of it. And I I really like the way he said that. And I, I come back to the Criswell guy in Texas mm-hmm. that said – you know, I'm a creative person. I create things. And I created things for myself all my life. But then it dawned on me when I heard Criswell say, uh, God didn't make everybody the way he made you. And the things you do, he didn't make them so you could sit around and entertain yourself. He made them so that you could help somebody else that doesn't do that mm-hmm. see what he's showing you. Mm-hmm. So you're sharing your and, – and we're talking about personalities is what we've been talking about here. And I, I'm i a firm believer that you should be comfortable with your personality. And I think that God will use your personality, Jason, to talk to people who are interested in your personality. Where they might not be interested in mine or Kuntz's or Brother Hodo's. But I believe he uses your personality, and you can't just sit back and, like H said, be so humble about it that you just disappear and not allow that personality to be used. Because you didn't make your personality. No, no. It came from somewhere else. You know, that's the funny thing about it. people are saying, thank you, God. That <laughs> oh, we're happy. We're happy here at MTB <laughs> that he made you. So, you know, my whole spiel, I just I just think you should be comfortable with who you are. So I mean – this brings up an interesting thing. Um, we've looked at this from a lot of different angles. And in Romans 6, 1 through 14, talks about this new life with Christ. And so that gets me thinking, like, how does this new life in Christ actually have an effect on us? How does it change the sins that you used to struggle with in the past? Do you still struggle with them now, or do you struggle the fact that you struggle with them now at all? is actually evidence of God working in your life. Because before, maybe you didn't struggle with them. You're just like, well, that's good, normal, healthy. Let's go ahead and do it. And now you're struggling and you realize that I shouldn't be doing that. Or maybe you struggled with it in the past and now maybe he's gotten you past that. Or maybe there's a just a change to your desires. And this new life in Christ, I think in my life, he has really changed some of my desires. When I was 20 years old, um, when, when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, I, I wanted to, I thought, you know what, if I just put, 10 pounds on a year for the next several years, I could play pro ball. I wanted to be a football player. Every every boy in Texas grows up thinking they're going to be an NFL player. And I thought to myself, I could just I could put on 10 pounds a year. That's, that's not a whole lot. It's just a little bit. I could just hit the gym and put all that work in and do work, son, and, and just be ready to go. And that's not the plans that God had for me in my life. And then, then when I was 20, um, I thought I want to be a computer programmer. And I, I actually got a computer programming degree. I had a job that was there for the taking where I would have made a good living as a computer programmer. My desire was to be young and athletic forever. My desire was to make a lot of money doing something that was easy to me. And now I'm, I work in ministry, and I thought that those things would make me happy. But I find that walking in God's will um, – the things that he gifted me with are still with me today. But he's changed my desires. 
my desire was to be able to play pro football so that it could be like, people look at me, look how awesome I am. My desire was to be a computer programmer so that I could make lots of money. Well, I still have to be athletic because I work with students. I have to be able to run around with them and play with them. My desire to be healthy and whole and still go to the gym is partly to deal with stress, but partly also so that I can still do the job that God has called me to do. I love computers and technology, and I thought that that was a wasted three years of my life getting that degree in computer programming. But I see now, because God has changed my desires, that he was actually just preparing me through my circumstances to be more useful and effective for him in the future. And that's kind of what this new life in Christ will do for you. He'll change your desires. Maybe he'll help you get over sins of the past. Maybe he'll actually help you understand that something you're doing in the past is sin, and you'll still struggle with it now. Um, Maybe he'll just change your desires. Maybe he'll change your focus on what it is that you're doing. But what are some of the ways that you guys have seen or maybe experienced in yourself where you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God? And how has grace made that possible for you? Sorry, that's a hard question. Deep I understand. Thoughts. Deep thoughts by Jason. Well, it's because... Uh, because things I've done, he could have just zapped me out of the picture because of dumb things I've done. You're a great example. Sorry. Uh, let me interject here right now. You're uh, a great example. Okay. I'm, no, I'm afraid of this. You have but... told us in the past yes. that you wanted to be a musician. You wanted to make it big. Yes. You have told us in the past that you wanted to be uh, an artist. Yes. Right? Yeah. Your desire in those things mm-hmm. was for yourself. It was. You're... Knowing you now, man, God has just flipped that desire in you. He still gave you the gifts and talents that you had. And man, the stuff that you have done in the children's wings, and I say wings because you have done it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And and even in the student wing, you gave us the idea of how to, to make it cool. And that that is a huge way that you have had the opportunity because God has flipped your desire. Totally flipped. From yourself to honor him. Mm-hmm. And, and musically speaking, you've probably had more of an impact on people's lives through just the stuff that you have done with Acoustic Christmas and, and sharing the gospel message through that than you would have before you really gave your heart to God. I think so, because I uh, I have friends that went down other paths than what I wound up on and didn't turn out so good for them. And you know what? I'm just I'm content. I'm happy. You guys know... Um, there's a musician that just died uh, a few days ago. Yep, Jimmy Buffett. No. Uh, well, no, I was saying, oh. I, he actually also <laughs> died, Wright. but no, Gary Wright died. Um, this guy, oh, was Smash, Smash Mouth, Mouth. Yeah. yeah, and they were big when I was in high school, and he died at 56, mm-hmm. liver failure. He had probably what everybody wanted, and usually you die of liver failure because you've been killing mm-hmm. yourself slowly over time. Yeah, he had everything that he thought he wanted. But the desire was probably for himself, and it probably probably destroyed him over time. Man, what God could have done in that guy's life mm-hmm. if his desire hadn't been for himself but for others it's and interesting. for Jesus. Yep. It's interesting, too, though, that like you, I was listening to you tell your story. Your personality didn't change. Not even a little. Uh, he he kind of unfolded you in the place he wanted to unfold you with your personality intact and the good news is uh 
He lets you be involved in things that you were interested in. Me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I landed at uh, I landed at this church I go to, and I've had twenty five years of one opportunity after another to do what I know how to do, and do it fun and big on occasion, and it's just like really, really gratifying. Where I can remember things in the past that I was trying to put together for me, not so gratifying. Because once that's done, it's, I mean, okay, it's over. It's just over. But this stuff, I mean, it just, it's a whole different way of. Uh, it goes back to that idea. You said a, go- a great word, contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do better. There's nothing wrong with wanting to leave money to your children. There's nothing wrong with wanting to bless other people. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a nice vacation or drive a nice car. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But when you find yourself following his lead, then you find contentment. When you follow your own lead, what you find is frustration. And to be honest, you know, I had a guy tell me this one time and I was like, you know, there's really a lot of wisdom in that. He said, you can almost make anything happen. He said, I don't care how much money you got in the bank. Yeah. If you really want to buy a boat, you can make it. Yeah. You'll find a way yeah. to buy a boat. But is that really going to make you happy? And you know, a lot of times in life we try to make things happen, you know, and I think there's some contentment. I think John the Baptist had contentment in going, "You know what? It's been an awesome ride to prepare the way for the Lord. Now he's here, and it's going to be an awesome ride." walking with him and me not be in the lead position anymore. Uh, Nicodemus, man, it's been a lot of fun learning the Bible and learning the rules and trying to keep the rules. There's something just not right with me. And then when it's, once he met Jesus, life became a little bit different, you know, in a better way. And I think, you know, all those things, when we, when we operate under the guidelines of our maker, we'll find a lot more contentment. We'll be happy. You know, if I go, if I go buy a four-wheeler and try to run it down the interstate, it's not going to go like it's supposed to. Nor if I go buy a crotch rocket and try to go mountain bike climbing, it's not going to work right because it's not designed for that. You and I are designed for a purpose, and I'm not designed to paint children's wings. The kids would run out screaming and crying. I'm not designed <laughs> for that, but I am designed for something. So you got to find your purpose and what God's designed you for and then do it on purpose. And be content. And be, be happy content. with it. Yeah. I mean, it'll it may uh, not be I make the most money of everybody. It may not be I'm the most well-known of everybody, but you'll be okay with that. You will. I can recall very clearly uh, being a little disappointed when I started doing music different than I used to and going to a little church somewhere and singing or something until uh, when I – when I sing or perform, I'll look you dead in the eye. I don't look away from people. If you're sitting out there, I'm going to look you dead in the eye, and I'm going to look at everybody if I can. But I notice real quick the look on people's faces in, in a little church. They're listening to what you're saying, and they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So all that other uh, grandiose ideas that I used to have about music just kind of disappeared. And like, well, that really doesn't mean anything anyway. That just doesn't mean anything. What were you saying? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Coots has been so polite for the past several minutes because uh, we have really jumped on all this, and I, he's been sitting there patiently. He's waiting to land the plane. Land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny that you brought that up. Yeah. <laughs>
was in a meeting recently with uh, uh, North American Mission Board. Uh, General Doug Carver gave a devotion. And the premise of the whole thing was Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And to me, that's really kind of a good summation of where we're at today. And just taste, take a, take a taste of what God is, of who he is, what he's done for you. If you'll take a taste, you'll see how good our Lord really is. And you will be blessed when you come to him. That's a promise. That is an absolute promise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So that's that would be our encouragement to as we land the plane today. Mm. If you've never done that, come to the Lord today. He is waiting for you. He loves you, and uh, and He's good. He made you. Absolutely. Think about that. He made you the way the way you are, the way your mind works, and all that. He made He did that. Yeah. You might have screwed it up a little here and there, but probably. But He He made you that way. That's pretty fast. That's just fascinating to me. Good landing. Praise God. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything else to say there except that's good. We'll take a break, come back, play any ready. Deal? Sweet deal. This episode of Mike the Baptist is being presented commercial free for your enjoyment by Michael Jackson, licensed realtor in Middle Tennessee. Rather than have you bombarded by pleas to buy things, Michael Jackson, the realtor, wanted to sponsor today's program and allow you to simply enjoy the content rather than worry about somebody trying to sell you stuff. Oh sure, Michael Jackson, realtor, might help people buy and sell houses and land in Middle Tennessee, but he doesn't actually sell things directly. So technically, this is not a commercial to sell you anything at all. It's simply an announcement to you that you don't have to listen to commercials on this episode because Michael Jackson, the realtor with Finch Real Estate in White House, Tennessee, 615-957-5064, is sponsoring this commercial-free program. This in no way, of course, means that if you're wanting to shop for a house or sell one or some land, that you shouldn't contact Michael Jackson, the realtor, because you should. He's fair, he's helpful, knowledgeable about the real estate market, and he's fun to work with. Okay, I'm Michael Jackson, the realtor, Finch Real Estate. And this is a commercial because my work as a real estate agent helps me have the time and resources to produce these Mike the Baptist programs. So feel free to call me for any of your real estate needs. I'll help you out all I can. And I'll do my best to make buying and selling your house a good experience. 615-957-5064. I'm number two. Everybody else claims to be number one. Hey, everybody, it's time to play America's almost favoritist new game show, Any or Audi, where we challenge our guests to figure out if a phrase we give them is actually in the Bible or out of the Bible. Sharpen your wits, guest. You're about to be in the hot seat of Bible stuff because you're the next contestant on Any or Audi. Here's Mike. I don't know what people did before any or Audi. Do y'all? They had a boring life. Yeah, it, it had to have been absolutely boring. TikTok and all that craziness. Just nuts. Yeah. Any or Audi is showing up at uh, gatherings. I hear about it fairly regularly now. Re- fairly regularly now. That's another good word. 
That's not a comforter. That's not a comforter word to say. Metamucil, you'll be a little more regular (laughs) early. This is already getting off to a really rocky start. But anyway, where were we? Should be fun. We're going to play in your Audi. Simple little thing where we how's that work? Throw well, H. We throw something out. Okay. Depends on what kind of belly button you have. Is it an any or an Audi? Something like that. But anyway, uh, and then you guess if it's in the Bible or out. Any or Audi. See? Don't even have to explain it. That's pretty simple. So in the power seat today are Jason and HD. Wow. Should be fun. Let's see. H, uh, are you ready? Oh, sure. What the heck? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So it's flipping through like some old movie channel. 1955, John Steinbeck had this uh, movie called East of Eden. Okay. The title, East of Eden. Yes. Did he get that from the Bible? Or East not? of Eden. Okay. Okay, Jason knows something. What, what do you got, Jason? I don't know if the exact phrase East of Eden is there. I think it is, but that's a reference to when um, the, the son of Adam and Eve that murdered, when Abel and Cain, that story, uh, Cain had to go to the land East of Eden Nod, the land of Nod, and it was east of Eden. And I, I'm not sure if the exact phrase east of Eden is in there, but it's a reference to that. And biblically speaking, a lot of times when, when you think of, when you see the word east, it's not necessarily a positive thing. It's a negative thing. It's, it's walking away from God in most instances. But specifically, Genesis uh, 4. Jesus is coming in the eastern gate. That's positive. Yes. Okay. Just it is kind sure. of positive. Yeah. Sounds positive. I just... But if if you leave <laughs> Israel and you go to the east, it's usually seen as walking away from God. Anyway, East of Eden is a reference to, I think it's Genesis like 4, uh, Cain and Abel story, 4 or 5, somewhere in there. What's fascinating is this is exactly what I was thinking, what Jason just laid out. That's amazing. Well, I think we all were. Although... I thought the word nod came from like a Harry Potter movie or something. I thought that was in like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> something like that. Was that the 13th Reindeer nod? <laughs> Winking, blinking, and nod. That wasn't he was reindeer, scheduled though, to was go it? that day, but he was fell asleep. So. Did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, but that, that sounds kind of familiar. That's weird. Winking, blinking, and nod? What yeah. is yeah, that? It's a children's story. It's not reindeer. No, no, no. It's a, it's a children's story you read, and then they go... To the land of Lincoln, Lincoln, and Nod, and by the time you you read this rep- repetitive story, they're supposed to be asleep by the time you get to Nod. These are such insane conversations. Over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me just yeah. explaining it, he's like, "Yeah, I'm falling asleep I'm right out. now." No, actually, I snorted because I was kind of laughing a little. <laughs> oh, it sounded like a snort, but okay. I was like, "So, what's the question?" East know. of Eden. East of Eden. East of Eden. Is that? Oh, I tell you what. He went to the land. I think it's in there. I, I think it's. I'm thinking it is as he well. He went to the land east of Eden. He went to the land of Nod. I think is how it goes. I don't have a clue. My gut says yes. <laughs> well, boy, I'll tell you what. Clue. If we're agreeing with the gut, mm-hmm. that's a good day. We have a gut agreement. It's a good day. It is a good day. If it's, it's not sense. in there, then we need to talk to God. As long about as he this. doesn't have indigestion. I'm hungry. Well, I'm almost hungry, but I'm not quite hungry. I'm just it's hungry. Starting to go downhill. Um. I think I'm with you all. I think it's in there. Any? East of Eden. Are we saying any? Any. Jason? Uh, I'm yeah, saying he's a, he's any. It's I'm an any age. Fairly confident. Then Cain went from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. All right. Good job, man. Good job, Jason. He nailed that. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. 
Isn't it fascinating that a word like nod is in the Bible? It's probably Last the week, only buzz. reason I know that one is because it, it's a ridiculous Seriously, word. I saw that on some movie channels like East of Eden. I wonder if that's in the Bible. Is that in the Bible? I've heard that. I've always that's heard that, uh, but never knew. Now you know. Now I know. Thanks, H. I'll make it more difficult next time. This is going to be a great book when we put all this together. Just remember time. now. It really I'll let well, you it's going to be a good board so. game. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thing. Working on that. Goodness, that would be make great. it easy oh, on Oh, yeah. Us. Working on that. What? Hmm? You're at a board game. I'm working on a board game. I'm already bored. It's well, <laughs> see, it's working. It's working. Now you can nod off. That's good, right there. That's comedy. Okay, Jason, what do you got? A fool and his money are soon parted. I think we did that. What? I think a long time ago. <sighs> Let me pull up my. I think we did that. Yes, like early on in the early days of in your Audi. I, I already got another good one. Okay, we're ready. Carry on. You want me to edit that out so it doesn't make you look bad? Backsliding? Well, I, I may not have necessarily been here when you did it. Did you say oh, backsliding? Oh, yeah. that's a good point. Backsliding. Backsliding. Well, oh, wait, wait. Is that the question? Is, is the word backsliding. Backsliding in the Bible. So long ago, we shortened these conversations because we kind of ruled out the concept conversation because you can make the concept work right. for anything, right? Right. Pretty much. Is the word backsliding? That's the question. Want my gut? Well, we always want the gut. Okay. My gut says no. Because the word, to me, sounds like a combination. What do you call a word that's two words put together? It sounds like a combination. Composite word? A what? Composite word? That. It sounds kind of like a composite word that's too modern. Oh, I was thinking conjunction, junction, what's your function yeah, what in was, my head? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking conjunction. Well, that too. Uh, Backsliding. <laughs> So, if it were in the Bible, it would be in reference to turning away from something, right? Backsliding? Well, that's not the question. <laughs> Is the word backsliding? Nope. My gut says no. But I'm trying to uh, give an explanation. <laughs> find, a, find a way to weasel out of your answer? No, no, no. no. Actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm convicted to my answer, but I'm trying to uh, rationalize why I would think that in my head and... In my head, I can't picture a scenario I where would be called a backslider from the Bible. Mm. You don't like that? I hate these questions. No, I've never cared for that word backsliding. I think it's a, a wonderful word. I don't, I don't like the word like because it. it kind of demeaning. No, it's a, it has, kind of carries with it the notion that you can you can there. take away what God wants you to have. I want to say it's in there, but then I'm like, is it just a church word? Yeah, I, that's what I think. That that's kind of where I'm leading. It's more of a church word that we try to make it. I mean, it's the concept application is definitely there. Yes. Falling away, apostate. Uh, that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure is in there. That's in there. Backsliding. I don't think it's in there. That's my gut. I'm convicted. I'm holding my ground. I'm pulling both of you guys in with me. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. I guess we're outies. Yeah. Are you an outie? I guess we are yeah, outies. I don't, I don't. Do you yeah. have any kind of theory on it one way or the other? I thought it was in there. Uh, seemed like I'd looked this one up before for some reason. <laughs> well, see, I don't want to. probably did it on the previous episode. No. No, this is I think this it was part of a done. sermon one time. But. This, is, this is the beauty of being over 50. I'm not even sure if I can find my way home. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I let you drive? <laughs> Did I drive? <laughs> I don't know. See? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. There was we'll a professor. We'll see whose car's in the driveway. <laughs> One of my professors had a professor in college that the way they described him, and 
he said this actually happened multiple times. The professor would drive his car to work in the morning and then he'd be like, hey, it's a nice day outside. I think I'm going to go ahead and walk home. So he'd walk home, get to the, the house, open up the garage door and there's no car in there and he actually called the cops saying somebody has stolen gone. my car forgetting that he had driven it to uh, awesome. work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I can kind of relate to that. That happens to me at Walmart all now, the time. If you preach the sermon on this and don't remember. Well, I don't know if I preached it. It just seems like it. I don't think it was one of these episodes. It had to have been something think, in a sermon one time. I think different churchy circles use this word in different ways. I've used it my whole life. Have you? Yeah. Well, I grew up hearing it and using I, it. I, I, I don't know, know that I used it, but yeah. um, I think it can be misused. <laughs> used to abuse. <laughs> but is it in the Bible or not is really the point yeah. of our conversation. Well, my gut says no, but what did both of you say? <laughs> he was out. You yeah, were I'm out? out? I'm out. So, so me and you are both outies. Yeah. I'm going to go out. Jason, it looks like uh, the purpose of wrapping this episode up, <laughs> we've, uh, we've decided to get together and go with Audi. It is used 15 times in the King James Version. Well, uh, there we go. And in the ESV, it's well. used in Isaiah 57, 17, Jeremiah 8, 5, 14, 7, and Ezekiel 37, 20. We weren't so counting those. Not only are we stupid, we're super stupid because it was in there so many times. <laughs> in Can the you read James, ones? But in the ESV, it's only like King four. James. Can you read one of them? Just I like sure. to read one just yeah. to prove. <laughs> I told you I was in there. <laughs> Always go against his gut. We just got to remember that. Whatever his gut. <laughs> well, a hungry gut's different than. Well, a, I just kept going. Gosh, that sounds just like a churchy thing. It does. It really know, it's does. Like you know, it is a. I mean, it is a word that's thrown around a lot. Did we get the first one right? See, I can't remember yes. the first round. Okay, so at least we're East still winners Eden. today. Yeah, yeah. y'all we're still are. winners. Y'all are. Right. I'm over here in the loser circle all by myself. <laughs> oh, you, you're a part of the winning. No, I gave the question. That's so okay. We won. <laughs> we're in it together. <laughs> See, that's my gift. I'm an encourager. <laughs> in Isaiah 57:17, it says, "Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his well, own there heart." There you go. Wow, that's fascinating. Which is what I like about Andy or Audi. So you need to learn to love the word backsliding. No, nope. it's very biblical. I'm not going to learn it. You know, here's the bad part. You just need to accept Y'all can ask me again next week, and I'll be like, no, that's not in there. <laughs> okay, here's my beef. Let me clear up my beef about backsliding. Is that what you have for lunch? Beef? No, but that sounds good. It does. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pot roast. When backsliding is used in a way that makes it sound like you can take your own salvation away that God gave you, I'm again it. See, I'm against I never it. used it in that you know, that form. Well, I up. think it does get used that way, though, and that's where I, I am opposed to that. Yeah, I would be opposed to that. And I think it's yeah. a dangerous word to throw around without. I think you just got to be careful definition. with that. Yes, you need to define it. That's just me. I'm a little different, but it's in there, so we're not throwing a word around. It is in there. He threw it around. It so is we in can there. throw it too. <laughs> okay, great round of in your Audi. Thanks for playing. Yeah, we'll take a break. Come back, sing you a hymn, and it'll clean all this up. Oh, wow. What a great contestant and a fine sport today on Any or Audi, America's almost favorite new game show. Study up, future guest people. You're next in the hot seat for Any or Audi. So, uh, Jimmy Buffett died the week we are uh, taping this episode. 
Not that we're not live. You know what I'm saying. Recently, Jimmy Buffett died. You know, I don't know. I don't know if Jimmy went to church or not. I don't know, but he was a very popular hymn writer. Hymn writer in the culture. And, uh, you know, several music type people this same week have passed away. Uh, it just happens. I think somebody from Smash Mouth, pretty popular, died. Yep. Gary Wright guy that did the song Dreamweaver and a bunch of other stuff. Really great. We're getting old. Great ours. Either we are or they are. I don't know. Either yeah. way. But Jimmy Buffett died of skin cancer, and since we started off our session. On sunburns. On sunburns. It kind of made us a little nervous. Yeah. So. so use sunscreen. And I'm hungry. Yeah. So this hymn, today's hymn is number 101 in your Mike the Baptist hymnal. Break that sucker out and sing along with us as we close this uh, great spiritual uh, episode of Mike the Baptist on a happy note. It is a happy note. Nothing wrong with happy music. Uh, I'm glad that there are people on the planet that have made people happy with their music. That's all I got to say. Hymn number 101 and Mike the Baptist hymnal. Try to amend my carnivorous habits. Made it nearly 70 days. Losing weight without speeding sunflower seeds. Drinking lots of carrot juice and soaking up rays. But at night I had wonderful dreams. Some kind of sensuous treat. Not zucchini, fettuccine, or bulgur wheat. But a big warm bun with a huge chunk of meat. Cheeseburger in paradise. Heaven on earth with an onion slice. Not too particular, not too precise. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. Thanks so much, folks. We'll see you next time. From all of us here, Mike the Baptist, Jason Recoveriardi, H.D. Jones, Michael Kuntz, and myself, Mike the Baptist. We're all just Christians. Trying not to cuss. Thank you so much again. We'll see you next time. That's it. (laughs) That one scared me. Mike the Baptist.